It takes more than using Git stash to store temporary changes and never unstashing them to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering episode 293. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for software developers about the non-technical stuff that goes into being a developer, unlike Git and stashing. You should just alias Git trash to Git stash. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's probably like 100 to 1, the number of times I've added to the stash versus pulled out of the stash. You should see. You should do like a histogram of git stash pop versus git stash drop, and I think you'd find interesting numbers. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't because I didn't know about git stash drop until right now. Isn't that the right command? You can just throw away a, an old stash thing? I probably, I don't know. <laughs> I just, I never throw it away. So I guess it's not trash. You're a hoarder. Git archive, but not in <laughs> Git the way you archive other stuff. That's what the command should be. <laughs> All right. Okay. I will thank our patrons. Thank you so much to the Stochastic Parrot, Alice Jost, Jost Andrew Pollock, the Yeet Your Job podcast, Avery Sturzel, Ian Walter, Aranduna, Kashockton, Ohio, Cameron Hall, patreon.com.au, we're hiring, Ira Chan, monkey face emoji, Jonathan King, testing is documenting.org, Oladapo Fadye, I escaped from Tarkov, but I can't escape JavaScript, Ragnar Harrison, <laughs> Timmy Garabrant, Nick Hathaway, Travis Sanders, Dennis Bogdanov, Braden Keynes, John Grant, I bought Winrar, Nick Cantar, and Philip John Basile. Thank you to that group. If you want to join them, you can go to softskills.audio, click support us on Patreon. Any amount that you contribute will get you an invite to our Slack team. An amount greater than some number will get you to have us say words. That's right. It might be your name or anything, really. Anything safe for work. Do we have a length limit? What if someone oh, just don't. puts the text please. of War and Peace please don't. <laughs> in, in their name <laughs> field? No. Please, Jameson, don't invite them. This will be the cheapest audiobook I've ever bought. <laughs> <laughs> 20 bucks. Wait, not really. That's expensive for an audiobook. Uh, that's true. Well, you can do a one-time shout-out. You only need one recording of the audiobook, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, the, 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 the $20 a month plan would be you don't want an audiobook. You want an artisanal performance mm -hmm. of the book for you. Slightly different every time. <laughs> we should get to questions. Okay. Do you want to read our first question? Yes, I do. Okay, this comes from an anonymous listener who says, Is it possible to move too fast, and do you believe in too much enthusiasm? I am one of the youngest members of the team and am always willing to start new projects and balance a few different things. Is there a point where this can start hurting my career? I've gotten bumped in compensation fairly, almost 25% raised since I first started. My career goal is to stay on the programming side, but I want to become a possible trainer for new engineers and developers. Hmm. Is it possible to move too fast? I mean, the speed of light means no. You cannot move faster than that. So it's not possible to move too fast is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Somehow. My initial reaction to reading this was like, it sounds like this person is going to create a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> Juggle a bunch of things at once. Start a lot of new projects. I mean, maybe they just didn't include it, but I don't hear finish a lot of things and like simplify and remove pain. Nobody ever says that. Like, I have a bad habit of just finishing too many projects. <laughs> when I start something, I just have to finish it. And I wish I didn't. Maybe this is a junior senior thing, though. I can see enthusiasm is is, I think, more valuable earlier on in your career and later on 
I think for most people, you kind of evolve towards maybe you're juggling fewer things at once, but they're harder things and, and you deliver more on them than, than kind of move a bunch of things forward at the same time. Maybe this is just a 10x developer, though. That's possible. Maybe. Maybe they start 10x more projects than the average developer. <laughs> I'm also kind of applying a team lens to a person. I feel like every every time I've worked on a team or been around a team that has a lot of stuff going on at once, what it really means is they're not getting much done on any of those things. And, and it's always made things better to just reduce the amount of work in progress and work more on fewer things. Mm-hmm. I think I I think that probably applies. There's a lot of context switching here if you're juggling all this stuff, right? True. And what this tells me, well, okay, let me back up and say that I was this person at the beginning of my <laughs> career. I love jumping into new projects, new technologies, new tools, new languages, new everything. Then, as I became more experienced, I started spending a lot more time fixing all these old things that no longer work. <laughs> things that were once new and now are just tech debt. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't know where I heard this first, but it, code is, is a liability, not an asset. Yes. That's the, the the lesson that may not have been learned here. At the same time, I don't know. There's I work on a team that is building features on an application, and we can't just... We have more stuff to do than than we are able to do at the same time. But if we could magically just try out a bunch more things, that might be a useful trade-off sometimes as kind of a, a spike or a test or a way to decide what to focus on later. And I will, I will say that if you, if you have the ability to context switch quickly and not pay a long overhead to switch between projects, that's great. I think that will serve you for your entire career. Not everyone can do that. Some people, like, they take a whole day. It's like, well, I can't. I'm going to work on the front end, but then if I try to touch the back end, it's going to be a whole day just to kind of get warmed back up into the back end, you know? But if you can kind of hop around this project, that project, that will serve you very well. And this could be you developing that skill. You just spent four hours staring at your terminal. You've typed out make, but just haven't hit enter yet. (laughs) What do I do? Just got to prep myself. (laughs) (laughs) What if it fails? (laughs) What if it takes too long to run? (laughs) is there a point where this can start hurting my career not if you switch jobs often enough (laughs) (laughs) you outrun the the blast wave behind you bumped in compensation fairly almost 25 well that's rad that you got a 25 percent raise since you first started It, it it does sound like you're doing the right thing i think yeah my broad feelings are are i agree with dave that finishing stuff is generally more valuable and harder than starting things um, and has a much lower cost usually where starting things has a potentially very large cost that you don't see up front. So maybe maybe you can start to take small steps towards finishing things or or maybe you hand them off to someone else to own and, and maintain well or something like that. Maybe you're prototyping stuff out. But if, if you're just leaving a, like a, a slew of microservices each written in its own yeah. different <laughs> language and framework and different monitoring standards and yeah database models or, or database paradigms um some someone will curse your name pretty soon oh yeah oh yeah but i think this is pretty normal and i would say hold on to this enthusiasm as long as you can because eventually the reality of maintenance costs and you know your team's ability to absorb change these will all catch up with you eventually and 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 frankly i think that's what differentiates a senior 
a more senior tenured experienced engineer from a, a newbie, one of the big things that differentiates them is that a senior tenured engineer uh, should have the ability to make long-term decisions about new technologies and new languages and things and be able to plan for their continued operation and maintenance. You know, and if, if you see that you've got a team that's not going to be able to handle that, you might make a different choice. And, and frankly, you might get a little more pragmatic about it and say, yeah, I see this is new and fun, but I don't, you know, I don't think that the newness and funness outweighs the long-term operating costs of this thing. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So good that maybe we've answered this question? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it, yeah, this is a good problem to have, though. Much better than the opposite problem of like, well, I guess the opposite problem is finishing too many things. The inverse problem of I don't finish one thing, I start too many things. Is that the inverse? I think the corollary is corollary inverse contrapositive, maybe, is, is that you don't ever try new things. Ah, and then you become obsolete. And that, that I would say that's much worse for your career than trying too many new things. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. It's easier to move into a more stable direction than kind of break out of stagnation. Yes. Cool. Do you want to read our next question, Dave? Wait. Well, I, I mean, I want me. to, but I'm going to let you do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I retract my offer for you to read it. And I will snatch the offer and read the question instead. A listener named Michael asks, I'm a back-end engineer in an engineering coding role with a small bit of SRE type work. Site liability engineering is what SRE stands for. I love the work as I get to dig deep into tech we use and have become a subject matter expert on databases within the company. I really like my team and my manager in particular and get to learn a lot every week. My manager is leading my team to lead a new team within the company that is focused on the company's SaaS offering, and I've been given the option of joining this new team if I wish. I like their managing managerial style and how they have helped me with my career progression so far. However, I'd be doing boring SRE work. I'm not sure if I'm ready yet to commit to being an SRE and code less and focus more on ensuring the reliability of mission-critical production systems. I don't know how easy it would be to switch back into a more of a coding role in a year's time or if it would pigeonhole me into that type of role. Have you got any advice? Ooh, this is a big decision. Dave, they didn't ask how big the decision was. They asked what oh, to sorry. do. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, you didn't ask, but I'd call this a seven. <laughs> I'm doing my traditional flip-flopping in my head while I read this. Swung from one strong opinion to another now. What do you think they should do? Well, I let's see. Do I know anyone who has switched back? I think this is a big company, right? Do we think? Yeah, it sounds big if they have SRE and different teams working on SaaS and something that isn't SaaS. Man, I'm just thinking about interviewers talking to you for your next gig and you've been an SRE for the last three years and they're like, oh yeah, but you're an SRE, you know? And it's I'm just trying to put myself in the narrow mindset, the rushed mindset of an interviewer who's trying to make a snap decision on whether to hire you as a software developer when you've got this three years of SRE or four years of SRE on your resume. I think a lot of people are going to look at that and not be able to get over that hump and they'll just be they'll just pigeonhole you mentally as an SRE so I don't know I, that's a tough one so I have a bit of a problem with the way Michael is describing SRE work code less focus more on ensuring the reliability of mission critical systems my understanding of SRE of the SRE role is it's it's still coding you're just writing code to manage and maintain infrastructure and increase reliability not build 
products necessarily. Yeah, so different code. Yeah, like the the Google, I think they're kind of the the originators of this. Mm-hmm. The SRE book and the way they talk about it is very much still hands on the keyboard, typing out code. Oh yeah, and and their SRE orgs have produced a lot of products that are are used by internal teams to to kind of help their systems. And didn't didn't uh, didn't Kubernetes come from that lineage? I think so. I think Prometheus did too, if I'm remembering correctly. So there's so there's coding. You're saying. Yeah, or there, or there should be. I mean, maybe, maybe this is not how SRE works at this role. This sounds more like what I'd call a kind of traditional ops, not SRE. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just a naming thing. Maybe, maybe this company calls operations roles SRE because it—that's what Google calls them. They think. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I've seen a lot of that. That pattern. But you could just quote the SRE book at them. That's a surefire way to get them to change all their strategies excuse me you are using this word incorrectly as noted on page 15 edition two (laughs) there's a bunch of possibilities here one of the possibilities is that it really is an ops role you won't be coding and if you are coding it's probably bash it's made out of bash and and like rage (laughs) and then that's a bigger decision because it is a bigger career change if it either is more like traditional SRE or you can turn it into that, then you'll Mm -hmm. still be doing a lot of coding. And I think that would not make it harder to move back into software engineering. It might make you more of a fit for some more specialized software engineering roles that you might not have been before. Like HashiCorp has a bunch of like infrastructure products that are kind of SRE type things. And and if you've worked on that stuff, then it's going to be easier for you to go work on Terraform, for example, or, or... other projects or products that are targeted at solving these problems, but working on them as a software engineer. Yeah. Just personally, I I think this kind of work is really fun. I get super excited about infrastructure, reliability, high availability, monitoring, alarming. I, I think this stuff is really, really cool, especially if you can do it at large scale. I don't know. I just think it's really, really fun. <laughs> do you enjoy the the power of knowing that you'll be able to page like 500 people with this setup that you made. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually the most terrifying part of the whole thing. But like, I don't know, I get, I really geek out on infrastructure because I feel like it's actually, this is going to sound weird, but it's closer to traditional engineering, like the traditional mechanical engineering and, and stuff like that. That's, you know, more nuts and bolts because you're actually doing things like balancing costs, like mm. actual dollars. A lot of times where you're like, well, this service costs X dollars per month if we if we scale it to this volume, but we've got this much demand. you know, And it's actually a lot more like, well, okay, I can't say if it's like mechanical engineering because I only had two semesters of mechanical engineering in college, but I can say that it feels like it's in that direction more. And, and I think that's really cool. Is it like the two semesters of mechanical engineering that you had in college? <laughs> no, it, it's <laughs> nothing like that at all. Oh, those, two, those two semesters were rough. <laughs> did not like them whatsoever. But I do like I do like the real world analysis. You know, as a developer it's like, well, I could write this for loop this way or that way, and it's like both ways make no <laughs> difference whatsoever in any like in any way. They're like, well, I prefer the curly brace here. It's like, no, it doesn't matter. But but with infrastructure engineering and SRE stuff, it's like, oh, that's going to make a $5,000 a month difference to our bill. You know? Like let's yeah. consider that trade-off. It's like way more concrete than than stylistic code stuff so anyway i think it's fun 
Michael also mentions a manager that they really like and has helped his career so far. And there's two ways you could look at this. One is it might be useful to see a different style. Maybe you'll get some different strengths out of a new manager that will help you in different ways. The other way you could look at it is to say, probably if your manager is great, your next manager is going to be worse just from (laughs) how averages work. (laughs) <laughs> and that's matched my experience most of the time. I think I've had management changes. Is Yeah, I was... It gets worse in general. I was more bummed out. There's also a, a really big cost, especially if you're focused on <laughs> career progression, to resetting that context and, and developing a new relationship and, and understanding where your manager thinks your skill level is at. And depending on how close or far you are from promotion... If you think you're close now, you aren't anymore <laughs> once you switch managers in, in the worst case. Yeah. Sometimes you still are. Yeah. But, so that can affect your career progression quite a bit. And if you have a good manager who's done a good job taking care of your career, then that probably mitigates a lot of the risk that your career will be will have problems by making this jump to an SRE That's role. That's true. If you have a good relationship with your manager and you do want to go back to software engineering, having your manager kind of on your side makes it way easier to make one of those transfers internally. And maybe maybe you don't have to choose right now. Maybe you could stay on this team for a bit, see how the new manager works out, and then choose. Yeah, give them, give them a trial period in writing. Mm-hmm. You have three weeks to impress me. Yeah. <laughs> I have scheduled our performance review three weeks from now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But even then, you know, you, you mentioned it, that the risk is mitigated by being able to go back. That's true. But also, your manager might be able to craft this new job on the SRE team in such a way that you can get the uh, growth that you're looking for in your career and not get pigeonholed. You know, maybe it, maybe it could work out that you're actually writing a ton of code and building a lot of internal product that translates more easily to product development if you want to go back in that direction for your next gig. Yeah. I think I'm definitely leaning towards going with your manager and sticking with someone that you know has been great and very supportive of you, especially if you can, like you said, craft this job into something that involves more coding or or clarify what they mean by SRE. Yeah, a good manager is is worth a lot. I've heard that pithy phrase that people don't quit jobs, they quit managers. Yeah. And this is somehow connected to that, right? Like you want to stay with someone that you like. Yeah, you're not quitting. (laughs) <laughs> and and no works well for you. Yeah. Or, I mean, maybe if you want to quit your job, this is like a, a first baby step to it. It's just like not follow not follow this manager you like. Yeah, yeah. If you're at war with yourself. There's something else you might want to keep in mind here. When managers transfer and their teams follow them, that actually makes the manager look really mm. good. And so you're doing your manager a favor, which means you can ask for a raise. <laughs> that's how it works reciprocity i don't think i've seen well have i i don't know maybe i've seen this i'll never know because i'm gonna stop talking about it and thinking about it if you got any advice yeah i think i gave my advice i think one other option too is just to talk with your manager about what they think you should do maybe they know the manager that's replacing them and can give you some insight into what that would be like or yeah or maybe they can give you a more clear answer on how much code you would be writing in this new team. Yeah. I also think the most important thing you can do is figure out that question that Jameson just called out. 
is this going to be a coding development role or is this going to be like sitting in front of a screen and watching charts to see if numbers go too high or too low and then calling someone? If it turns out to be that latter kind of thing, it will absolutely be a setback in your career and it will make your next job a lot harder to get. Yeah. I mean, there's there's more to ops than that. <laughs> I know. I, I'm kind of I was kind of painting the, the worst case scenario. OK, yeah. I work with some very skilled ops folks. Absolutely. I don't want to, I don't in any way mean to belittle that. Yeah, it, it is a fascinating and valuable role. But if, if you really want to write code and that's not what it is, then you should know that. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's my advice is scope it out. Maybe go talk to some of your peers. And hey, you're at the same company, right? So it should be pretty easy Yeah. to go figure this out. Yeah, that's a good point. It should be easier to gather info about what it's going to be like. Maybe it's a new team. That's uh, well. I mean, I guess it's a new team if there's a new manager. Maybe maybe you can't look at what that team is already doing and figure out what you will be doing. If that's the right. case, then you probably have more power to turn it into something that you want to do, though. Right. All right. That's that's it. I'm done. Okay. I'm used up. Me too. What can people do if they want their own questions answered? Go to softskills.audio and click the Ask a Question button. You can fill out that form with your information. You could leave it completely blank, or you can tell us that your name is some unpronounceable emoji which is also fine. And we just have to say thank you so much to everyone who has submitted questions. We really appreciate it. You are rad. Thank you for doing it. And we will catch you next week.